Well, big shout out to everybody out there in radio podcast land. I hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, not getting some wrestling fatigue. I mean, we're loving it. This, it's been a really busy few weeks, um, and it's not stopping for us here. We got two more awesome PLEs to talk about um, going into the weekend. Um, you know what? Right now it's Friday, September 1st. Bring on the fall. A lot of people are saying pumpkin spice lattes. I'm saying you guys are full of shit, and that's basically the best thing I can put. But. That being said, this is your podcast for the Rub Wrestling Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for being here with us. Um, if you like our work, great. If you don't, fuck off. And what you can do is you can subscribe or follow, regardless of either one of those two things. You can find us on any major podcast place. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. A big one for us, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us basically everywhere. And you can find us on any social media aspect with our amazing, you know, Chris... Uh, Chris, I was going to say his last name, but I don't know if he wants me to say it on this podcast. Don't really give a shit. But Chris does all the work on the social media pages. All Josh and I do is we just share those things and sometimes add stupid comments. Find us on there. Talk to us. Say hi. Do what you got to do. But we're going to follow all you guys and all your views on Captivate. So with that being said, you know, we got our illustrious panel. Chris, how's everything going with you? I asked you. You're wearing a golf shirt. Um, basically asked you if you shot 18 holes. You told me you haven't golfed all year. Do you plan to get a round in before the end of October? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's a rich man sport. Um, and I just, uh, I don't have it anymore. I used to have it as a kid. I was okay. And then once you stop for a little while, my favorite part's the, the drinking part, but then I get worse and then I get more upset with myself. So yeah. No, no golfing this week. Uh, it's been a pretty slow week for me. We've had a lot of a lot of content going out, so busy with that. Um, yeah, going to Rib Fest tomorrow with the mama and the papa, so that that should be good. And then uh, hunkering down for two big days of wrestling. All right, try and find a barbecue mustard for that fridge. I've moved my way up to six now in the fridge, but barbecue barbecue mustard is the fucking tits if you've ever had that. That being said, Josh, I heard you were wearing a pink shirt today, and it was a fun experience. You don't have to talk about it, but I just, I, you know what? I appreciate wearing a pink shirt. Pink's a great color, man. Yeah, hell, hell, hell yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm on, I'm on strike still, um, and I'm a nurse, so uh, wear pink because that's what we do. And uh, some people don't like the picket line and try to fight people, and that's fine. It was a good day, though. Lots of energy. So just feeling good. Glad it's a long weekend. Labor Day weekend. Not much labor happening at my workplace. All right, all right. Yeah, for all those international people who listen to our podcast, maybe the one person from Argentina, um, you know, basically what we really want to say here is that we're Canadian and we're proud Canadians. We're not, we're, we're, you know, proud enough to do like the proper things, but we're proud Canadians. So it's Labor Day weekend. We get Monday off. And for those that don't, um, go fuck yourself. Um, with that being said, we got two amazing PLEs coming in. Um, if you're a WWE fan, we're going to call them PLEs from now on because we don't have to pay for them. But we do have to pay for All Out on Sunday. Um, so that'll be a pay-per-view. So PLE, pay-per-view, basically the same thing. We're, we'll come up with a dictionary for all you guys later if you don't know and you're new to the podcast. But basically, we're going to be repping a preview show for these two events. And uh, we're going to be talking about three matches on each thing that we think are potentially going to be the bangers of the card. Um, and basically on Monday, we're going to have the review show. We're going to talk about uh, the three matches that we previewed on each end. And we're also going to talk about some highlights from the other matches that have come in. So with that being said, let's start with WWE Payback. Um, you know, WWE runs about, what, 10 PLEs a year, 12 PLEs a year. 
Um, I wouldn't go out and say that this is one of the major ones. We like to call these PLEs filler PLEs, and that's definitely what they are. doesn't mean title changes can't happen, but we're going to basically kick off um, the WWE Payback card with one of our biggest matches, and we're going to work our way up to probably what's going to be the main event. But we never know. We never know the main event when we go. But we're going to start with the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships in a Seal City street fight. We got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Judgment Day which will be comprised of Mr. Money in the Bank or Senor Money in the Bank, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Chris, um, you know, when you look at this entire card, we'll talk about the other matches. I think this could be one of the sleeper matches of the evening, especially with um, these two teams really kind of creating a story of them really wanting to hurt each other. Uh, do you think that this could be the banger of the show? Could this steal the night? for WWE Payback over um, Seth Rollins and uh, Shinsuke and Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez? Yeah, for sure. Just looking at the talent talent in the match, um, it, it, it could be your banger of the night, really. I mean, Finn Balor always brings it. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they don't slow down. Damian Priest, like, uh, since since his Money in the, money in the Bank win, I, he's been looking pretty good. He's been looking less stiff in the ring to me lately so uh this one the street fight can always take away from from what the match can be um because we know there's gonna be a whole bunch of spots put in just for that um but uh yeah i mean i i love zane and owens they're still together um i assume they will feud at some point could we see that break coming Saturday tomorrow um maybe uh but yeah to, to me this one could uh def definitely has the the potential for for a show stealer for the night excellent you know i think i think it's it's really unique i find that owen zane and balor are uh extremely good in gimmick matches i find that they, they're great in seal cage matches they really have a good high wrestling iq to really take that home um in these styles of matches Priest, for me, you know, still a little bit green for a lot of stuff. Just not not super green in a wrestling capacity for how many years he's wrestled, but he doesn't have the big matches on the big stage like these other three do, right? And, um, you know, we've watched Kevin Owens, we've watched Zayn, we've watched Balor and other promotions have these gimmick matches and really do a great job. So be really interesting. Do you think that Damian Priest really steps up here, Josh? Do you think that he's going to be um, a guy that we're going to be talking about? Or is he an afterthought going against these other three that are already established superstars to the point where, you know, Kevin Owens has held uh, a Universal Championship, Balor has held a Universal Championship, Sammy has actually been the most over person in the company at one point. Um, we know that that hasn't happened for Priest, but do you think that he gets overshadowed in this match, or do you think that he's going to come out on top as the person we're going to be talking about on Monday in the review show? Um, I mean, I think I actually really like Damian Priest. I uh, like his work. I think his finisher is quite strong. He's got a, a lot of uh, great moves. Um, and so I think that he's going to be a star in this match. I think that, like it, like Chris was kind of saying, that is this the potential where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn kind of feud? I think it's actually going to be the opposite, where it could be Damian Priest and Finn Balor kind of have their culmination here or just like more of what they've been kind of going the back and forth. Like, I know that they've been playing nicey-nice a little bit, and, you know, it is what it is, but obviously it's coming, and it looks like Damian Priest is going to move out of the Judgment Day. I think that's the way it's going, in my opinion. Um, 
And I think that Damian Priest could be a star here. I think because of all of the the other three people in the match that, you know, if they're trying to make Damian Priest the next big thing, putting, you know, Mr. Money, uh, as he is senior money in the bank, um, I really think that he could uh, get the rub from, you know, those two other wrestlers. And, uh, you know, maybe if he has the few, has some interaction with Finn Balor because of some, you know, shenanigans that happen, then maybe he gets the rub from all three. And uh, that's not a terrible thing. I, th I think that he's got that size that the WWE likes. He's got that look. And, he, you know, because he's uh, Hispanic, uh, he fit, or Latino, um, he fits that, you know, he, he gives that audience an opportunity to hear their voice and to see their face. And that's a really good thing. And I think that uh, he's, he's a rising star or in this company. Yeah, that's a great point. I and I just, sorry, you go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I just yeah. Josh kind of kind of said what I more or less wanted to say. Like this could be with the talent in the ring that could uh, put put Damien over. Maybe maybe this is uh, the coming out party to the to the push. Yeah, there's there's so many ways that these stories can go, and they can actually go. They can diverge into two directions, right? You kind of talk about Owens and Zayn as a team, and you know we've always thought all the way through that they could potentially split. Um, the, the X factor in this match is potentially JD McDonough, right? So when you're looking at that and potentially him talking and, and a lot of people think it'll be, you know, potentially priest out of the judgment day. There's a lot of potential to have Balor out and Balor and McDonough go on its, on, on its other way. I think a lot more people are leaning towards, especially by your faces that McDonough is going to join judgment day. But I think in a lot of cases too, like that's another option that we do have. And, um, I think when you kind of go forward in wrestling, sometimes it's good to have that paradox. That's something that's outside the box that you're going to have that can really move a storyline or a group in a different direction. I personally, I believe if you take Balor out right now, it, it could potentially kill Judgment Day, but um, I, does, I definitely don't know if that would be the case. I think you might actually have the Judgment Day or whichever version of the Judgment Day, like we were talking about, actually feud against each other. And, you know, I think the glue to this whole thing has really been Rhea Ripley and with her match coming up in, in on this, which we'll talk about next, um, you know, it, it, and still having Dom and all that stuff. I mean, th those are that's a that's a group that can technically break and still maintain the momentum moving forward, right? Now, not saying it's going to happen, but it's something that could potentially, with with what we think about, could be an option for them moving forward for for the storyline writing, right? Um, so and uh, yeah. Chris, so, oh. go ahead. Josh, go what ahead. are your what are your what are your predictions for the match, fellas? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, well, what I was saying is this would be a good way uh, if they don't break up Judgment Day is to put put a belt on Balor because he's the only one without a belt right now. Be a good way to put a belt on them and kind of kind of accentuate the feud of the Money in the Bank with with Damian and and uh, Balor as well. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say Judgment Day takes it. Josh, go ahead. What do you? What do you? What do you? What do you? Do you want me to go? Or? Uh, I, I mean, I no. I think that uh, Kevin and Sammy are going to win. But uh, I mean, I would love to see the Judgment Day win because I agree with Chris. That would be great uh, because then that would give them all, all of them a belt and plus the money in the bank. Uh, but I think that Kevin and Sammy are going to go over. So I'm not going to really give my prediction. I'm just going to kind of lean toward whatever the, uh, the the betting odds are, and the betting odds are actually leaning towards the Judgment Day winning the titles here. So. Um, I'm not saying that it's it's going to happen, but we've seen some crazier stuff go down on pay-per-views or PLEs before. But 
in this scenario, I think, um, yeah, it's time. I think it could also really, you could still have a mess up that happens in the match, have them win the titles, and still have that tension between them too, right? So, uh, I think I'm leaning towards Judgment Day taking it home here, and uh, but I think it's, I think this could be a banger. Um, I think it, it, it is um, an early kind of preview for potentially the match of the evening. And just so you, so you guys remember, the Judgment Day has already beat these guys in a non-title yeah. match this and year. So they technically are the champions anyway. So if they win, you know, it's like kind of like whatever. The wonder is that we, we go back, if you go back a few episodes to our thoughts on title eliminators, fantastic. Um, the next match we're going to talk about is for the WWE Women's World Championship. It's uh, going to be Rhea Ripley going against Raquel Rodriguez. Now, we've talked a lot about the women's division in the past. Um, we even said it on the last podcast. We, we've talked about physicality. We've talked about stuff. Now, we got the two, you know, biggest women in the division, strongest women in the division, tallest women in the division, most muscular women in the division, going out and potentially going to hurt each other on Saturday night. And I don't know about you. I don't think I've been excited for a women's match in the last six months, maybe with the WrestleMania match that came out, but I am really excited to see this match because I think it's going to be a barn burner. And with that, you're going to see some pain that's going to come out. So, Josh, we, we've talked about the physicality of women's wrestling. Is this the match, that, like the, the star-studded, the tier-end matchup that the fans really want to see here? Even though Raquel Rodriguez might not be on the same level as Bianca, um, you know, Charlotte Flair and them. Is this, is this the physical match that we need to see in the women's division that's going to start getting them over the top? I mean, I sure hope so. I I do have a concern that uh, you know they because they haven't worked with, maybe they haven't worked with each other in a while. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to have the same type of physicality that they have with the other women with each other. I, they're both very strong and formidable. I just I hope that they do exactly what I want to see with the heavy you know the heavy hands, the strong maneuvers. I just don't know if they'll match up stylistically in the match and I hope that the they've worked well with the producers to produce a, a high quality match. Rhea Ripley for sure has that uh, capability. I'm just not so sure if Raquel Rodriguez has that because she hasn't really been a singles wrestler as much since she's moved to the main roster. So I'm not sure. I think that uh, Rhea Ripley's for sure going to win. Um, but uh, I'm really hoping that it's that hard hitting, massive move match uh, something that, you know, maybe we get to see a little bit of color. You know, I'd love to see a little bit of color. But I, I you know, maybe not on this not on this card, maybe on the other pay-per-view. But, yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be a banger, and uh, hopefully it lives up to our expectations. Yeah, this storyline's really taking kind of a weird turn because it's actually kind of divested <coughs> into, or uh, actually, sorry, I won't say divested. I meant to say invested. Um, into um, using NXT as a secondary... Um, kind of storyline for this with Dom defending the title, Rhea going to NXT. There was actually Raquel actually attacked Rhea on NXT. Um, so it, it's pretty unique where we've had a couple a couple aspects of this being like a really big fight. And that's kind of the fight, the, the feel of it. I wouldn't say it's like an MMA, like a big fight feel to it, but I feel like there's going to be some punches thrown. Like I feel like it's going to be physical and I feel like I'm really excited to watch this. Now, Chris, we, we talk about you know, Rhea Ripley, we talked about the, you know, the, the women at WrestleMania, but we haven't talked a lot really about Rhea as, you know, the title holder and her being the, the women's world champion. And you look at a lot of cases, 
Rhea's probably um, on the verge of becoming potentially one of the all-time greats. Do you think that she's already there in that capacity as a WWE legend? Like, if her career ended tomorrow, could she say, could she go down as one of the top 10 greats? Or does she still have to have these banger of matches to go through? Because clearly from what we've seen over the last year, year and a half, her work rate is seems to be on another level compared to some of the other uh, women's wrestlers. Yeah, like, she she's great. Her Like, the way she carries herself as a heel is great. Um, is she at that level yet? Um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say if her career ended tomorrow. Um, would I put her up there? She'd be in my top 10. Would she be in my top five? I'm not too sure. I need a little more time to think about it, but, um, I love what she does. And, and, uh, like, uh, I echo Josh, like I haven't been looking forward to kind of a women's match in a while, but this one, they have some history too. Like they, they're, they're pretty good friends. So, um, we, we see a lot when like friends get together, they want to put on a banger of a match and, and yeah, we could see, we could see a stiff one that, that turns a corner. Uh, Again, I echo Josh's sentiment where I hope the producers are spending enough time making the match good the way the way they can and i hope they just don't throw it away with some i just because we i know we always say smoke breaks but i this one i i'm gonna watch it and i just i just hope it doesn't turn out to be a smoke break i mean uh the stage is kind of set the stage is set for them right now to make uh to make a big a big bang with the women's division and and show people that you know they're they're there for talent and they're good so I just hope it goes the way that Josh and I think it's going to go, and and I hope they kind of build from there. Okay, I have three things to kind of go about. Number one, Chris, I'm really curious to find out where you ranked Kelly Kelly in the top ten of your, uh, if Kelly Kelly makes the top ten of your all-time women's list. She definitely does not. (laughs) Candice Michelle. No. (laughs) Good, good man. Number two, I just also want to let you know, I know that we're talking about uh, basically a WWE event, but I saw an ad that came out about the uh, the thousandth episode of Impact. And in the women's division, do you know who's making a comeback on that show? Maybe only for one night only? Awesome Kong. Oh, no way. I am <laughs> no going way. to watch that just for Awesome Kong. I don't care about anything else. I'm going to watch it. Because Awesome Kong, in my opinion, is in my probably my top three for best female wrestlers of all time. Just because of the sheer horror that she did when she was in matches. So um, that's my number two. My number three is um, I'm kind of a little bit worried about how the card's set up. We're looking also, um, and we're not going to go in depth with this, but we're also going to look at a Becky Lynch and a Trish Stratus steel cage match. And the question is here is that you, you mentioned you talk about the, you know, the smoke break match or something like that or, you know, go through. Does does this Rhea Ripley match potentially have the ability to make that steel cage, that gimmick match that has been basically going on for six months, uh, uh, potentially a smoke break match as well? And that's kind of scary. You don't want that to have in that card. This is a card that both those women's matches have to be top draw for it to be a, a top end card. And if they're not, it's just not going to be because right now there's only six matches on the card. <laughs> it's going to be probably close to a two-hour event from what we see. Probably over 10, 10, 30. Um, and it's going to be short. So um, this is kind of what, what... There's a little bit of fear on how, for me, watching Payback and if you're going to sit there and watch it all the way through. So um, that's just uh, my three things based on uh, the match that we're seeing. 
I agree with you there for sure on like both these both these match halves they both have to be bangers basically and uh like if if Rhea and, and Raquel tear the house down I mean with uh with Trish with her age and they're going to put in a steel cage match like it's going to have to be good Yeah they're they're going to have to be entertaining I don't think they have to be the five star melter rated matches they really don't but they have to be entertaining, and that's part of what makes a PLE or a pay-per-view so good is that those you know, secondary matches really have to pull, and when you only have six matches to pull from, I'm not saying you have to be like Tony Khan and do four-hour pay-per-views. You don't have to do that, but if you're going to do short shows, that the matches have to be good on them. It's the same as running an NXT, like, uh, an NXT premium event on a Tuesday night. If you run a heat wave, you better have good matches for it. You're promoting it as such, and that's what you were doing, and I think if people were actually going out and paying... Um, you know, 40 bucks for this. Would you pay 40 bucks for this? I don't think I would if I wasn't paying for the network, right? That's just my thought. Now, Agreed. for the main event of the evening, which probably will be the main event of the evening, and a pretty damn good storyline, probably one of the better storylines that we've seen on WWE Raw, which is for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, your hero, your god, Seth Rollins, versus a now evil... Sinister, conniving, Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, we've seen a lot of Shinsuke. Uh, Chris, you've watched a lot of Shinsuke Nakamura on NJPW. You've watched him be basically that superstar, the limelight stealer, everything that we've seen. And other than NXT, when he first started, he's had a really tough transition coming over, um, you know, to SmackDown and Raw. He's, you know, he's been an Intercontinental Champion. He's, he's had Josh's favorite manager, Rick Boogs tag along and and you know do the song basically play it on the guitar um but this isn't the same shinsuke nakamura that we saw as an international superstar that we saw promoted in njpw and that we saw in nxt with this storyline have we started to see kind of and him turning heel have we started to see the the comeback of that superstar are we seeing an evolution of nakamura in front of your eyes oh i sure hope so i'm i mean I was pumped when he won the Royal Rumble. I thought we were going to get something different, but I, he's with the Rick Boogs thing. I mean, I loved it, but it was kind of a comedy thing. And and I find when they have talents that they bring in from overseas, the the big problem is I think what they don't like is is that he has limited English, right? So all his work basically has to be done in the ring. And and to to WWE, it's hard for them to kind of push that and and make that important um i like him going heel i just i've i like everything about shinsuke he he works hard he he can work with anybody he he never looks bad in the ring he's always ready um i i sure hope we're seeing a turnaround where they they can run him as a heel for a little bit give him a little more a little more pull i think i think he deserves it he's been a company man for years now he's been there for a while mm-hmm so, yeah, I mean, this is this is what we want to see. I'd, I'd like to see him. I'm glad to see him back in the main event picture. Um, I I think they'll book, uh, I think they'll book Rollins to kind of go over him, which I'm not upset about, but because uh, I like Rollins, but I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see how the finish of the match goes, because I think that'll kind of dictate to us where where if any story is going to go next with him. I mean, I have to agree. I think like it's everything's leaning towards Rollins probably retaining. 
And I think you look at a lot of it and you look at something very simple like Shinsuke's music, right? It's never changed. It's been the same all the way through. And we've talked about people like Chris Jericho. We've talked about people like even you look at a character and I'll revert it to a WWE character. You look at a character like Edge, right? Who has the ability to, you know, have that innovation of the character and the evolution of a character. I think this is the first instance that we've really seen it, like we just said with Shinsuke. Josh, how important is this evolution to his character and for him to stay stay where he needs to be? I mean, even if Rollins goes over, is this evolution for, for Nakamura's character um, important and crucial for him moving forward? And do you potentially see that even if he loses the match, that this feud will stay uh, stay going a little bit longer until he does get the title? Um. I don't think he's going to get the title for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, even if it stays, I think that this is a good turn for him. Maybe um, this could be, I'm hoping that it's a lengthy turn, right? Where he stays heel and this isn't just a turn so that they have someone for Seth Rollins to fight at payback. Cause that's kind of how this feels is that it's like, this is just a filler to get Seth Rollins to WrestleMania to eventually lead Seth Rollins being the longest WWE World Heavyweight Champion because that seems what WWE likes to do, right? I mean, Gunther's going to be uh, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion soon, so wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens with Seth uh, because he seems to be like that's the person that they're resting the company on, you know, once Roman Reigns starts to lose or hopefully loses eventually. But yeah, Doshinsuke... I think this is good, and hopefully, I believe that his English is better than it, he lets on sometimes. It seems like he can speak better English. Maybe he has a very thick accent, and he could potentially have, it. maybe he might even have a lisp. I'm not sure. I I don't like the uh, the mouth guard in his mouth, but it just makes him look like he doesn't have any teeth. So I, I find him hard to look at sometimes when he's when he's either he's got the like it's kind of like he's got like an Elvis Presley like fucking onesie on as a wrestling outfit, and he's like you know he's in good shape, but he doesn't look like he's in good shape. But he's like I so I really like him, but I could see why the WWE doesn't push him because he doesn't really have that like look. He would probably be amazing in AEW. Um, so. Yeah, but no, I think that he de- definitely doesn't go over. If the story lasts longer because it needs to, he still won't go over. Seth Rollins is going to lose the title to someone bigger, I think. But yeah, yeah, and I think it's you know what WWE over the years have done such a a great way of culturalizing, and I don't mean it in a good way when I say a great way. I mean culturalizing um, all Asian wrestlers that have come over, and I think in a lot of cases the wrestlers that have come overseas have really been. Um, you know, basically kind of what you just said, kind of, you know, don't have the greatest English, so we're going to kind of exploit it in a way. And in a lot of cases, a lot of really great wrestlers that have come over, like, um, I mean, who was the longest one that really stuck with the company? I want to say a show Funaki, but Takamichinoku was a fan. Taka was great. A fantastic junior NJPW wrestler when he was in NJPW. And wrestled. And what happened to him? His famous line of all time will forever be, we're going to choppy choppy your pee-pee to Val Venus when they went Kayentai and basically Val Venus slept with one of the Kayentai sisters or something like that during some stupid storyline. But, you know, guys like Dick Togo, you know, like, like it, just the list goes on and on. And it seems like other than the women's division on the men's side, they don't get a lot of respect. And I think Shinsuke has been the closest one, probably probably the best one that's had the most respect as an overseas wrestler coming across. Um, 
I think it would be a shame if he doesn't walk away at some point with the WWE title or a universal title at some point. I think it would be more the World Heavyweight Championship if he did. Um, and They and gave the, uh, the Japanese buzzsaw quite, quite a pretty good run. Yeah, Tajiri had a good run too, but I mean, Tajiri was also used, we also forget that Tajiri was also used in numerous, numerous um, more comedic, you know, stuff, and it was mostly around Tory Wilson. There was stuff with women involved where he was there, and and different things, and he didn't say much. But I mean, like it's the same thing. But he was he was used to like he he had the ability to really demonstrate his wrestling capabilities in the ring. But he'll never be the same as he was in like ECW when he was there, right? Like he was the Japanese right. saw there, <laughs> you know. And d- don't forget, Yo- don't forget Yokozuna. He was pretending to be Japanese. <laughs> True. Um, but in a lot of cases, and he was also very afraid of spiders, unfortunately, and that's what caused his death. Um, but you know, it does the same thing. Like Mr. Fuji, have all, like just like I said, the list goes on and on. But um, I, I really want to see. I really like to see this feud continue, and I'm really hoping it does because, like we both, we all, I think we all agree that Rollins retains here. And um, if that's the case, we'd really want to see Nakamura uh, potentially do something after the match that maybe knocks Seth out for a little bit until he can come back at a, at one of the bigger major pay per views to really take that title, right? Okay, other than that, that pretty much is going to kind of, uh, you know, kind of solidify what we're talking about for the PLE for Payback. We're going to move on to All Out at this point. Um, All Out, so we have uh, basically Payback will be Saturday night. For those that want to watch, you can find that on the WWE Network. Um, And those who are going to stream it illegally, you will, but we don't advise you to do so because the WWE Network is fairly cheap. Um, However, we do have a pay-per-view that's happening on Sunday for $39.99, I believe. You can find it on uh, the Fight Network, Bleacher Report, some other places if you're looking there. Uh, But basically all out. And uh, kind of unique situation. Uh, We haven't really seen this in a long time where we've had really close pay-per-views, let alone uh, the biggest pay-per-view of all time, and then following up with another pay-per-view the week after, which is kind of weird. So the card that we've seen is, um, you know, it's obviously not the same that we would have saw at Wembley, um, but we are getting a lot of people and there are some good matches on this card. It's um, basically the card that we talked about originally for WWE was six matches. This is going to be nine matches and uh, we're basically going to start this off because we really don't know where it's going to end up. I think we'll start because we start on the WWE side. We'll start with... I don't know, man. Let's start with Kenny Omega versus Kona. Oh, okay, I said it wrong for two weeks in a row. I'm just going to say Takeshita. So basically, Takeshita, Omega, and obviously the ever-looming Don Callis, who will probably be at ringside and potentially at commentary. Now, we saw what happened at All In. If you, For those that want to watch, you can actually uh, find out what happened in the match in the, in the, uh, in the All In review match, uh, sorry, podcast that we did. Uh, basically, uh, Takeshi got one over on Omega. That basically sets up this match. Um, we had some you know glaring positivity for Takeshi moving forward. Um, Josh, you're looking at this match right now. Does Kenny Omega get his revenge in this match? I mean, we talked about um, Takeshi being, you know... Um, one of his students, basically, um, he's Takeshita's mentor. Uh, but Takeshita does have Don Callis in his corner. Can Omega really pull this off, especially that he's had such terrible singles record since leaving Don Callis? Yeah, I th- I think Kenny Omega is going to win this one. Um, but I think this is going to be the match of the night, uh, for sure. Um, it could be a five-star Meltzer-rated match, uh, as long as they get the programming right. Um, Takeshita, an amazing athlete. So 
if he goes over, that's fantastic. But I think that they're booking Omega to go over this one. Um, but uh, this is, yeah, like I said, this is going to be the match of the night. And uh, he's he's a rising star. Hopefully, you know, that push continues. And, you know, I can see him getting a belt eventually, especially with Don Callis being his manager. He's, you know, it's, 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 it's needed. It seems like his English is okay. Um, but he definitely couldn't cut a long promo. Um and it's interesting because, you know, they were talking about how he was a decathlete. So, like, he's an all-around, like, the best athlete in the, you know, potentially there. Because to be a decathlete takes, a, you have to be talented at so many different things. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you kind of look at, at this match as a whole. And I, I, I don't find it as easy as what, what, what you're saying. That's just an Omega win. Um, I definitely am leaning probably towards an Omega win. But, I mean, when we look at a lot of um, the stuff that we see here... Um, I kind of was kind of thinking about the weekend, what I see when I look at Takeshi, and we're talking about his size, Chris, um, the other day, but um, you know who he reminds me of? Bolo Young from Bloodsport. Basically Chong Lee, like, in the sense that, like, it's the size, it's everything, and you know what, I think, like, one of the things that, if this really works out, can you see him kind of taking on a role like that? I mean, he's got the black trunks. It's not the same thing. Like, obviously, Bloodsport happened in the 80s. But if you were kind of going to take his character, would you not kind of want him to run with that, with his character? Do you think that that could kind of lead him to some international success by going through? And you're kind of laughing at me right now, but um, I thought when I was a kid and watched that movie, he was one of the most polarizing people I've ever seen in my life at that time watching him. And he's kind of going around and he's killing people and breaking legs. And is that what this kid needs to be? Um, to, to really get where he needs to go in this company. Like, I'm not saying, fit, like, obviously storyline doing stuff like that, but not in real life, because that would be bad for professional wrestling. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, it, it's funny. I was laughing because I just watched the original Best of the Best a couple oh, nights wow. ago. Yeah, and Jesus. Tommy, to- I can't beat Dayhan, but but he beat him. <laughs> But, oh, it's a great movie. I used to watch it at, uh, I'm sure sometime we'll have him on the podcast, Greg, the Portuguese nerd of war. I used to watch it at his house all the time. So, But that's funny that you brought that up because I did go through Bloodsport while I was looking at that. And uh, you know what? The Bolo Young character, now that I think of it, you have this just this untouchable Asian who's big, who hurts people, who, yeah, that's, that could be a, a total role for him. And I think he actually... Now that you mentioned it, um, like when you watch him and the way he carries himself, he's kind of maybe I don't know if he's taking um, anything from that movie, but he could. He can keep going with it because he's kind of got that character already. Um, I mean, he's got the black. He's got the black jacket. He's got the black trunks. He's got the brown noise music. I love it. And it's great. And it just seems to be working, which is fantastic. Like, I mean, would you ever think like of, of that noise of, of a music or just having that, <laughs> that dreadful sound coming out actually be something that's hilarious and actually works and actually sounds, you know, pretty crazy. It's really interesting, but continue. Um, yeah. So I think we, we were talking earlier before we, before we went live, but uh, what I was saying is, is we might, it, it could be a possibility for a no finish. I mean, you have da- you've Don Callis, you have history between Callis and and Omega. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm leaning towards a no finish here, like towards something that you don't have a you don't have a set winner, and and, and we kind of keep it going. I think it's hard for me. 
Um, because I don't think Kenny Kenny loses really anything if he takes an L, and some people say that he that he would here, and I I just I don't agree. I think that Takesha has everything to gain from it, and I think in a lot of cases, um, something that hasn't really happened a lot is that AEW's connection to NJPW in the U.S. is massive, and I think having Takesha as like a dead ringer and an international superstar is a benefit for both companies in both ways, shapes, or form. So basically, we're not just dealing with two sets of shows here. We're actually dealing with three and potentially four if he does ROH, right? So this is a guy that he's young. He's he's not in the prime of his career, but he can wrestle a lot. And I'm not saying burn him out, but I'm saying that you'd want him on an NJPW Strong show. You'd want him on an ROH show. You'd want him in NJPW to try and fight maybe with some of the factions Especially if Callus, you know, like, um, you know, not even say like Omega's stuff, but you look at best friends and their connections to chaos and stuff like that. You know, you can have him go in and fights. He, he's a guy that can fight on Wrestle Kingdom and and an all in Wembley and be in the upper part of the card for both. So there, there's a lot to gain here, I think, for Takeshita. Um, I'm leaning towards Takeshita actually beating Omega. And I think we, this is probably the first time in the podcast where we've had three different outcomes on a match. Usually it's two to one or it's three and oh, and we usually agree. <coughs> But, um, yeah, I think that's where it's going to go, guys. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. If Kenny gets the win, I'm not going to be shocked. But um, I think Takeshita has way more to gain out of it uh, than Kenny does just losing that match. I agree. And I wouldn't be shocked if Takeshita won. Like, that's the thing. It's just, I just think Kenny's going to win just the way I'm looking yeah, at yeah. The, the, the matches. I'm just thinking it's like the way that it's going... I'm thinking how try to think how Tony thinks because Tony books you can kind of see how Tony books matches and you're like okay every pay per view he's got like a surprise but he's also got like a very predictable face baby face winning yeah I just think I think well like I think the key here is is Don Callis too right like I think Don Callis has a personal vendetta against Omega and the way that you end the the feud is by ending Don Callis and Omega's feud so I think if Omega wins I think it ends the feud. Um, or they'll fight later on or something, or maybe Cal's pers- like, there's so many ways you can go, but I see where you're coming from too, Josh. Like, it makes sense. Like, it makes sense either way to go. I just, I like to think of how do you make the most money? <laughs> and I think in the future, you make the most money by basically just letting Takeshita win this and have him go over, right? Um, all right, for our second match, we got kind of a really unique... Hey. What? Oh, no, I just had a little more to add in, and... and- a little oh, more sorry. to justify. That's okay. Um, I just let's wanted just, to uh, let's just uh, before you before you go, let's just throw in a little bit of a rewind here. Well, there we go. A little little Wayne's World rewind. You got uh, it. Yeah, I, I I think this one on the card has the most potential for a no finish because you can keep them going and because like Takesha got one on on Omega, but I see where Josh is going. Where Omega could get one on. To Kesha and maybe keep it going, but I just I think it's going to be a no finish. I think there's either going to be run-ins, Callus is going to be involved, and match is going to get thrown out, setting up more, more, more Omega and Takeshita. Because why would they put them? Why would they just put them together for one match? True, and I think another thing that can happen here too is that what we should do is the next time that we all get together, the person who wins this match doesn't have to pay for the tomahawk stakes. I think that's a good plan, or some of the beers, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. We we can as long as I don't burn my hand when I yeah, make that's the true. Don't do that. Like, oh my god, that felt so bad. <laughs> it was such a bay. It was such a good steak. Um, that going forward, 
Chris got his uh, Chris got his two cents in there. We're going to talk about uh, kind of a really unique eight man tag, um, and usually those probably wouldn't end up in what we're talking about. But all the members in this are actually in the talk of potentially being one of the best tag teams in AEW, and it's basically pretty darn close to being the four best tag teams except for the champions, which would be FTR and the Young Bucks facing off against basically all of Bullet Club Gold, which is going to basically be Jay White, Juice Robinson, and the Guns. So we have four of the best tag teams basically sitting here in an eight-man tag, and it's just really unique opportunity to have all four. The storyline basically goes on how this match happened was FTR basically confronted the Bucks about not shaking their hands. Uh, basically, um, Bullet Club Gold came in and said uh, tried to kick uh, the Bucks out of the locker room because they said this locker room's only for winners because they lost. And they're talking about how much the Elite's been losing lately. So... Um, Pretty unique. Bullet Club Gold, extremely, extremely hot. FTR, they're your tag team champions. Bucks put on a great show at Wembley. Um, Chris, where do you see this one going? What do you what do you see happening here? Who do you think is going to be the breakout star of this match? And who's uh, who's going to take it home? Um, ideally, we see a little, little bit more juice. We get juice a little bit more camera time. Um, the guns have kind of been on the sideline with Bullet Club Gold, so... I do see them maybe something towards the finish with the guns and something. Um, I'm looking forward to it. it. I I don't I don't have much to say about it. I'm I'm kind of more interested to see how it goes. I don't I don't have much of a, a prediction for it because I mean all all four of these guys can go. The guns are young. They look good. They can go. Jay White can go. Juice can go. Both the Bucks and FTR can go. So this this is another another match stealer of the night basically. Um, I, is this just going to be something that furthers the feud between FTR and Young Bucks, or do we see Jay White and Juice get put in a position where where they can challenge for the titles? Is is what I'm what I'm wondering. I hope I hope we don't see more FTR Young Bucks. They've wrestled three times. Their last one wasn't as good as the other ones. So. I'm not too high on that. I would like to get kind of a new team that's been around for the, a new team, a new team in bullet club gold, either to um, come out here and then be able to do something where they can, they can go for the belts. I mean, the guns have already held the belts. Jay white and juice haven't gotten the belts. So I, I think it's going to be another, I think it's going to be an interesting finish. I think we're going to see something that might jolt us like it did. Um, like it did with the uh, with the match with um, Omega and them at at all at all in. I think we might yeah. see something like that where uh, we're just we get we get something that can that can build something towards something more because I I don't know like even it, the match doesn't make a lot of sense to me as as an eight way, but uh, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I hope. Uh, I hope Bullet Club Gold comes out. I'm sure they're going to cheat to come out. And uh, I hope they come out on top. And then it uh, puts one of those two Bullet Club Gold teams in, in the running now. Yeah, you know, Josh, I think, uh, you know what, match aside, when you're kind of looking at this, um, Chris literally just said that he had nothing to say about it and he went on for three minutes. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, 
I, I could do the same thing. I'm thinking that I could talk about how Chris talked about it for three minutes for three minutes if I if I wanted to. The, dread, the dreaded but, thing you uh, don't yeah. say on a Anyways. podcast. I don't know what that. I don't. I have nothing to say about this. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm just teasing with you, Chris. But uh, Josh, pretty interesting. Um, we've seen a, a few people in these matches. And it's kind of really funny. I look at this as an eight man. You've had the Bucks and the FTR that have had five star matches. You've basically had FTR and Juice Robinson and. Um, Jay White actually have five-star match with that two out of three falls on collision. Um, the only really unique factor here is the guns. Guns are young, technically sound, um, garner a lot of heat for when you're going through. Um, so it, it, it can be. Where would you rank this on the card if you were looking at it? Do you think that this is the match of the night? Like, would you rank this in your number one spot before watching it as going through? Like, Because it, it seems like it's going to be in my top three. But I find kind of like what Chris said, it's 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 just a really odd eight man tag, right? Yeah, I think well, it's definitely not my my top match because I already said that Kenny Omega and Takeshita will be the the match of the night. For See, sure. I make mistakes too. I think it happens. That an eight man. Ta- it's okay, and, and and an eight man tag is a is a hard thing to have the match of the night in because it, like there's always some chaos, so there's going to be big moves. There's going to be some spectacular. Uh, things it's just not going to be i don't think it's going to be a cohesive match what i see from this match is a potential fatal four-way with the teams and then they have for the title so then the bucks or the but yeah the bucks versus ftr versus jay and jay and uh uh, jay white and juice robinson and the guns and the four-way match for the title maybe potentially that could be a a build-up you know, maybe that's how Bullet Club Gold separates, or they just, you know, that's just part of it. Is because they they all want to vie for the title, and they're going to say they're going to work together. But so I could see that happening in this match. I can see that FTR, the Young Bucks, could have a feud that continues. I agree with Chris that, like, you know, I kind of like to see them move on and have a different way uh, to go away from, like, have the Young Bucks and FTR have a cooling off period and maybe have a bigger match later. It doesn't need to be on the books again. There's not another pay per view for a while. So there's no need to keep the feud going with them. Um, and, you know, so maybe if they do that four-way, then that's a way to get the belts off of FTR and kind of move it around into a different realm of the tag division and put it on, like, a different tag team that, you know, you don't have. You know, like, if you give it to the Guns, give them a chance to run with it for a little bit, or Jay and Juice Robinson, you know, that would be good too. So, like, that would be an opportunity to do that where you don't have to put, like, you don't have to bury FTR because they don't have to take the pit in a match like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things here that you kind of want to see as well when <coughs> we're, we're kind of coming up is, is yeah, where does it go from here? And I think what this actually does, and we're a big component of big fans of tag team wrestling. We said on the last podcast as well, like, we love tag wrestling. But, and I don't know if you'll agree with me here, but... I think that this really exposes the lack of development of strong tag teams in AEW. It really does. Because if you look at what's happening, we're going back to old formulas that don't work anymore. And I think that this is kind of the problem with having the trios title being added so soon. Like trios titles are great, but you're essentially taking out really good tag teams as well that could fight for those titles, right? Like I think of, imagine inserting like the House of Black, into something like this and having like, they would be a perfect, like kind of Jersey triad, whoever two guys want to defend the titles type deal. Like that WCW rule, Chris, uh, where they had that like, free bird rule for that. 
yeah, Freebird rule. They're perfect for that. You know what I mean? And I think like even what we're seeing in 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 the event, and I I mean this will be posted after Rampage, but you know out of all the the tag matches we saw, like I mean. Um, with the tag team scramble, we know already know that the winners of that match are John Silver and Alex Reynolds, which is the Dark Order. And, and don't get me wrong, fan favorites, very credible tag team, but they're not believable as the tag team champions, so they're never going to have the belts. Their they're, they're, they're time for that where there was a shot at that is over, in my opinion. Um, so, you know what, it, it's great that they're fighting for the ROH titles, they'd be great for the ROH titles, but I think that'd be a severe blow to Cole and MJF, so for them to have a tag division and take your two, arguably your two biggest stars in the company, and put them as your secondary tag team champions is almost ludicrous, and that's part of their storyline, I get it, but there is definitely a lack of development of what they need for proper tag teams, and, um, yeah, it's just a matter of figuring out, like, who who else would you add here, guys? Like, I mean, I think of the mobile line, Embassy being an area to go through. I think of the OG Kingdom, but they're, let's face it, they're, they're ROH tag team champions. You, you know what I mean? Like, the Embassy are trios champions in ROH, like, so I think to really kind of make a really good tag team division in both those things... And I'd hate to say it is potentially dropping one set of those trios titles or both sets altogether to really have them go through because there's just not enough development. And I think the tag wrestling is really going to suffer as much as I'd love to watch FTR and the Bucks all day. We talked about it last week. It plateaus and it plateaus for the fans. It plateaus for everybody. We need some some fresh blood to come in and really liven it up. What are your thoughts? And do we not have we not already had the Bucks two time champions and FTR two time champions? And we've only we've only, AEW has been around five six years, five years. Yeah, five, to uh, have change, but to have double champions like that within five years, I mean, yeah, it shows to what you're saying. There's not as much of a development in tag, and yeah, I I echo what you're saying. Like we do, we love tag wrestling here. Tag wrestling is one of the best things to watch. But uh, yeah, I just in five years you can't have two two-time champions already like it's there's it means you don't have enough in-house to keep putting new fresh teams out there yeah and i think like there's dropped balls right you drop the ball with the butcher and the blade i think you i think you've dropped the ball there i think both of those guys are good workers all the work the butcher did to basically put in the work in his body and really get lean and do all that stuff and really get in shape like if you remember him from day one in AEW, that guy was like 310 pounds and now he's down to like 240 and he's almost solid muscle. And like he's done, they've done everything they can, but get over. <laughs> and, well, his band, you know, his band broke up, his band broke up. So he had time to get in shape. He used to, yeah, he was with, you know, he's the guitarist of every time I die. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think they've dropped the ball there. I think you had a shot, you had a shot to really kind of give the dark order their titles and then it never happened. And, and so we've kind of, we've kind of lost the development there. Right. So you got to go out and get it back. And I mean, I don't know if you're going to go get it back by those, uh, the two real big guys there, Bear Bronson and whatever his other name is. They just changed their name for whatever it is. And the guy's sitting there on rampage talking about eating ass. Like <laughs> what? Like we're real. Like, so to figure out what's happening here is, is really important. And it's crucial for what they're going to be doing moving forward. You can't just keep taking tag teams from other places. Like, you know, Aussie open and bring them in unless you're going to sign them. And apparently they have signed them. And if that's the case, great. But you know, anyways, it, this is a, potentially a topic for a different story. And hopefully we do have some clarity in that tag division from what we see after the St. Mang tag. Uh, but Josh prediction wise, who do you think is going to win it? 
Did you already say or not? I can't remember. Uh, I think I think Bullet Club Gold's going to win this one. Yeah, I would have to agree. Chris, your thoughts? Did you say it? I can't remember. I we went on a rant there. Uh, agreed. I think uh, I think Bullet Club will Bullet Club Gold will take it. They've been pushing that team pretty hard recently. There's no point giving them this stage and then putting a loss on them. Maybe another opportunity for a no finish though. That could be, but if we all win and we've yeah, all said Bullet Club Gold, we all get stickers. So that's really what happens. And for our final match of the evening, which is actually the reason I picked it, is, is that if this could be a career-defining match for what we're seeing for one of our favorites and one of the best promos we've seen all year at the end of Dynamite, which was Orange Cassidy um, basically defended his title against Penta El Cerro Miedo on uh, Dynamite and won and then cut an amazing promo about um how he's a workhorse how he's carrying the title how basically he's gonna die with the title and basically how he does not have any catchphrase now he's gonna fight moxley at all out it'll be for the aw international title we've talked and he's praised on orange cassidy until the cows come home on this podcast it feels like but chris do you agree with me is this the career defining match in orange cassidy's career Oh yeah, it definitely is. This is the the biggest name he's wrestled. This is probably the biggest single because he's he's been do he hasn't done a lot of single stuff lately. Most of it's been been with teams with the best friends. Um, yeah, I I can't see Moxley going over. Doesn't make sense to put that title on him. So I I do see Orange Cassidy going over, but. Giving him the time on the mic, letting him talk, even though he's been quiet for this whole time. Um, it, it could be time for his run to start coming to an end and start trying to push him higher up the card. But he's such he's such a good champion because it's like the Intercontinental Champion. You're always working, right? He's just such a good champion in that, in that mid-card championship. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I don't want John Moxley to win. Um and I don't think it does either of them any favors for John Moxley to win. I would have to agree. I think like having this international title and the way that it's run is is really kind of um opened my eyes to the importance of that third, that tertiary ranked title in a promotion, right? And uh it's uh, it's basically the equivalent of the WCW television title. And I think that this is what the television title should be. It should be somebody that's fighting every single week. It should be somebody that's on TV, a fan favorite. It can be a heel. Um, You do have to switch the title up from time to time. But this is the type of person that you need. It needs to be a workhorse in this area. And they don't come along very often. If you even go back to WCW and you look at the real TV champions that stood out. Chris Jericho stood out as a great television champion. Booker T stands out. Um, Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, those were the guys that really stand, stood out with those titles on when we went through. Now, Josh, you, you kind of look at this and you kind of look at where it's going to go with, with Orange Cassidy. Um, I'm going to throw out some names, and obviously MJF is in here as well, but I'm going to take him out. You talk about Darby Allen, you talk about Sammy Guevara, you talk about Jack Perry, and you talk about the Pillars. We talked about this last week. Is he better than all three of those people? Uh... I think he's, I mean, he's definitely more over. He, I would say that uh, as a workhorse, I think that uh, all of those guys are workhorses. They were workhorses for the company. We haven't seen Sammy wrestle in a while, at least not. I haven't seen him on any of the shows I've been watching. Um, so I think that 
Yeah, he's he is the best. He is, he's the best worker in the company right now, and I think that this match could go one of like two different ways, like for two different reasons. But I think that Orange Cassidy is going to win, and it's going to kind of be like his. He'll get his stripes on John Moxley. I think that he might have fought John Moxley once before. I, did he mention that in the in his paper in his? Uh, promo? I think he has fought Moxley before, but I think in a lot of cases it's. Uh, I can't remember if there was a singles, Josh. I know that he's fought them in other ways, like it's and, and more than once. Well, absolutely. They just went through some yeah. matches, right? They just did that those like hardcore matches but yeah so i think it could go two ways and i think that like maybe you know maybe john moxley kind of like destroys orange cassidy in the sense that like he he makes him be a a harder man and he like evolves the character just slightly like you know maybe it's like i don't know i could see that happening but i for sure think it's not going to go that way i think it's for sure going to be orange cassidy going over really hard match it's going to be really tough john moxley's going to get in those like brutal stomps that we all know <laughs> about quotes. You know, those ones that that really slice my uh there'll be color though um but yeah yeah i there's definitely going to be color and it's going to be i think i mean this could be the match of the night as well like i think definitely top three of the night um and yeah i i just don't know i agree with chris and i'm at i agree with you about how he, it's a, he's a working man's champion, you know, like he's he's the guy that a perfect intercontinental champion. If he was in the WWE, I don't know if I ever see him as a heavyweight champion, only because he's smaller and I don't think he needs it to be successful. So why would you put the pressure on him? Let him just wrestle and have the house shows be fantastic, and then cut some wicked promos, sell a lot of merch, and make a lot of freaking money. I don't think you need to be a heavyweight champion to be the star of the show anymore. I think that, like, you know, you look in the UFC, and it doesn't have to be the big guys who are making the most money. It doesn't have to be the big guys that are... People recognize that those guys, like, they're two different things. So maybe, you know, Orange Cassidy can be that big, continue to be that big star without ever having to get the heavyweight championship. I think the problem with that, and I think it's it's not a bad thing what you're saying, Josh, I agree, and I think that you're right, but... He he could potentially like he is a he has main evented dynamites. He's not main evented pay per views, but I think at the end of the day, when you kind of go through, I'm not saying that he has to go that route to that heavyweight title, but to stay in that main event status and to stay in those areas, and and maybe he's not going to get there. I think I feel that his character will potentially plateau um, sooner than later. Like there will be need to be some sort of evolution of this character eventually. It's not now. Because right now, he's got what I like to call the Daniel Bryan effect, right? The whole crowd's behind you for everything that you do. And 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 you know what? That promo just made it even better. And he's going to get such a reaction in Chicago when he goes out. Um, the only reaction that would be crazier is CM Punk's, right? Just because it is Chicago. If, if CM Punk was there, but we're, we're hearing that he's probably not. Um, in a lot of cases... Um, that's just the reality of it. I think like we're, we're, we're living it. I think we're going to go through. I, I personally believe, and I asked you that question because I personally believe that he's better than those three. Um, he's different than those three. But I think, and I agree with you, Josh, he is over than those other three, which I think at this point, over is really what states that you're better or not, you know, for me. I mean, is is he a high flyer better? Is he a better high flyer than Sammy? No. Is he going to kill himself worse than, than Darby Allen? Arguable, but probably not. Um, you know, um, I think John Moxley's going to bring a fork and I think he's, they're going to do the fork spot again and I think it's going to be great and I hope it happens. Um, but I, I agree. I think Cassidy has to go over here and if he doesn't, 
I really hope that you got a good two, three month storyline behind it to really have a story for where he's going to go. And I think that's really the case that we need to see here. And that's the important part. Now, two great shows coming up. Um, we're fatigued just as much as you guys are when we go through this. Um, you know, it's been a couple of podcasts. That's, that's basically been August going into September. Kids are going back to school. Stuff's happening. But with the kids going back to school and everybody being more pissed off, Josh, what slice is your salami, sir? Alrighty. Um, so, uh, you know what really slices my salami? Uh, longest reigning everyone. Uh, I'm getting sick and tired of it. I mean, they keep on talking about how, you know, Roman Reigns is the longest reigning or he's got his, this title reign. And I understand that when you have something that is kind of working that you don't, you need to change it, but then you never really have innovation and it's kind of getting stale for me in the WWE. Now, don't get me wrong. The champions that they have as the longest reigning are pretty fantastic, but like enough is enough. You got to have some change, otherwise you're never going to develop good wrestlers and I or you know next generational stars. You know John Cena didn't have the longest reign in anything yet. He was at the top of the game the whole time he was wrestling. So or you know once he got to the top, I think that it's just kind of a cheap way to you know bring people. You kind of put uh, you know more stars on. I don't know. It's just I don't like it. It really freaking slices my salami. It's been a long week. And that's what slices my salami. Fantastic. Can't wait to have a mortadella sandwich this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. Yum. Gentlemen, anything else that you'd like to add right now? Josh, Chris. Uh, Wu-Tang is for the children. Yeah, did you see that video? It. Oh, I did. With the kids? Fuck yeah, that's a good one. Shimmy, shimmy, but, yeah. Shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yay. But uh, with that being said. It mil- What? <laughs> It, it it may all still be a work. <laughs> the truth is out there. <laughs> I can't do the whistle anymore. <laughs> See, I can't even do it. Do 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 do. All right. With that being said, everybody, no matter where you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all from the Rub Wrestling Podcast. We bid you adieu. Bang.